So how many of us here want to see a move of God? And that's why as of last Sunday and again this Sunday, I say to you, we're not going to sit back and wait for COVID to go away. We're going to engage as the church. We're going to be, be the people of God. I'm just sitting uh, in prayer here, and I thought of my sermon last Sunday. I don't know if you heard it, but I remembered it. And it said, we need worship, whether it's at home or whether it's here. We need fellowship, and that's what our life group's about. We need fellowship. It's God-ordained. It's his plan for us. We need to learn and grow. Again, life groups and worship, and we need to serve, love your neighbor. And I really am calling on IPC to engage. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm a little tired sitting back. We're going to do it safely and as God leads and as we choose. But let's engage and make a difference in this world for God. Let me pray. Gracious God, it's good to be in your presence and it's good to know that uh, we have one another. And Lord, as we experience church differently and as we might for a long time, uh, we are thrilled that we are yours and that we belong to one another. We are united in Christ. We are united by our faith and by our Lord, um, by the calling that we have. And uh, we, we gather in your presence today, whether people at home are watching or whether people have gathered here in this building. Spiritually, we are one before you. And uh, we're here to worship you in song. We're here to worship you by int attentively listening to your word preached so that we might know how to then respond by faith and obedience. So, God, we invite you to move. Move, Lord, among us. Um, cause us to know a movement of the Holy Spirit like we have never seen before. Even with the challenges of COVID, as you override the challenges and prove yourself faithful and alive and powerful and good. God, we pray that many people will come to faith in Jesus this fall through the ministry of IPC. We pray that many people will grow deep in, deeply in their faith because of what we do and that we will... Uh, go out into this world and serve, even in the little ways, the cup of water ways, God. Help us to serve you by loving with your love those who need it. So God, bless us and, and, and help us to engage and help us, Lord, to really know the presence, the power, the love, and the goodness of God among us. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we do begin this uh, church-wide campaign, we call it. We've done them before. The idea is that I speak on a Sunday morning. It's going to be for five Sundays that you gather together in life groups and the vari various iterations that you choose. Uh, again, whether it's by Zoom or whether it's in person, according to your comfort level, and that we go deeper in faith. Did you know that's what we're about? We're not all about fun and games, <laughs> but we are serious about people being transformed into the image of Christ. And I hope that that's your experience here. I hope that's what you want. I hope that's what you're pursuing in your life. And I hope that's what this campaign will provide for you, an opportunity, another opportunity to, uh, to, to, to deepen in your knowledge of God. It's uh, based on a book by uh, John Ortberg. I wish I had a little stool here. Here we go. I'm going to steal it from someone. Um, but John Ortberg is a Presbyterian pastor in the States. He's a guy who's gifted. We, a few years ago, did a, uh, a series entitled from the book he had written, If You Want to Walk in Water, You Have to Get Out of the Boat. Anybody remember that one? It's quite a few years ago, but it made impact. It really impacted people's lives. And we're hoping again that this series entitled Eternity is Now in Session will make a similar impact on you and that you will really discover something new of what it means to, to know God and to follow after the Lord Jesus. And we are hoping, this is serious, that this 
will unite us as a congregation. We're not all together all the time. There are tons of people sitting at home with families or individuals, uh, which is fantastic, and they're, they're tuning in. But we are going to be thinking the same thoughts. The same desires are going to well up in our hearts. We will be united by this material. Now listen, the series is essentially about eternal life, eternal life. Um, I want to I begin by asking you this. When I say those words, eternal life, what comes to your mind? What just pops into your mind? Here's what I think a lot of people tend to think. They think about a day that's going to come when they pass away from this world, when their life is over, that they will enter into eternal life. That's why it's so important that people come to faith in Jesus because at that point, so it is thought, of course, that when people pass away, they will either go for eternity to be with God in heaven or they will not. A place called hell that the Bible describes. A place that is life without God that is, that is, is something that we want people to avoid at all costs. And the idea here is that, that, you know, we think it's that far away possibility that we wish to embrace someday. Some people, you know, become Christians, if you would, uh, because of the fire escape. Have you heard that? Or fire insurance? Don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven, so I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to step into that faith because that's such a critical thing. And it is a critical thing where we spend eternity, of course. But what we're going to do in this series is, is broaden and deepen that understanding of eternal life, if indeed that is what you hold. We're going to look biblically, and we're going to see that, that what Jesus taught and what the Bible speaks of eternal life is so much more than that. What we're going to do is take the key teaching from John 17, verse 3, and it's the one place in Scripture that Jesus explicitly defines eternal life. It's the foundation of what we're going to talk about for five weeks, both here and in your life groups. Jesus says this, John 17, verse 3, Now this is eternal life. It's pretty clear, isn't it? This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now, what do you think of that definition of eternal life? That, you, that they, Jesus is speaking of us, that we would know God and that we would know his son, Jesus Christ. Few things just jump off the page immediately about what eternal life is. Number one, eternal life is not something that we experience in the distant future when we die. It is something that we experience now. It is to be a present reality because we can all know God now and forever, of course. But it's not something that we wait for. Number two, it's not something that happens in a far-off place. I want you to hear this. I want you to understand this. And I want you to be open, please, people, to, um, to, to challenge in, in terms of an established thought of what eternal life is. That's what this whole program is about. And it's not something that happens in a far-off place. It can happen here in the midst of our lives, here, now, today. Eternal life is something that, uh, that we know. You're going to hear John Ortberg teach. There's a 20-minute or so teaching video that you will watch either online or in, in person. Uh, by the way, if you, if you struggle with getting that teaching video online, we are going to resource that and teach you how to do it. It's possible and not that difficult. But you're going to listen to this 20-minute teaching by John Orberg before you jump into the discussion with the questions. One of the things you will hear him say is this. It's not about us getting into heaven. It's about getting heaven into us. Now, that might take a little while for you to get your head around, but it's not a, <laughs> eternal life is not about getting us into heaven. It's about getting heaven into us, whether we experience it now or then, which, of course, 
we will do if we know and trust Jesus. There's a song. There's a song that we sing, and there's a line in that song that says this, you didn't want heaven without us, so Jesus, you brought heaven down. Can you hear the tune in your mind? Jesus brought heaven to us. Jesus brought the rule and the reign of Christ into our world and potentially into our lives. Guess what that is? It's the dynamic of eternal life that we can experience in this moment as we follow Jesus, as we come to know him and experience him personally in our lives. We don't have to wait till we die to know eternal life. And then the third thing that we learn from this definition, right up front, it's not something that we take hold of by knowing all the right answers, by knowing the right responses to the questions that we might get asked, like who is God and who is Jesus and what did Jesus do on the cross? Is that eternal life, to know all the right stuff? To know all the right answers? You know, we do profession of faith. Kids are baptized and they grow up in the faith. They're led to faith in Jesus and then take the profession of faith class so that they get, they get the content. But is that in itself eternal life, knowing the right things? I would suggest to you it's not. I want to read to you. Uh, it's a book by Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard was the um, mentor to John Ortberg. Dallas Willard passed away just a little while ago. This is a, li this is a little bit of fun for you. But uh, John Ortberg is writing in this book, and he uses um, um, a, 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 a skit from a Monty Python movie to illustrate this point, and I'm going to read it to you. It's about uh, the group of people who are headed to that better place, and they have to cross a river. Well, if you're Monty Python fans, you're probably going to know this. Uh, but there's a bridge, and there's a bridge keeper, and it, if you... Uh, come to the bridge, and if you answer the questions, three of them accurately, you can cross the bridge and get to where you want to go. You see the parallel that's forming up? But if you don't answer the questions right, you are cast into the, to the, to the chasm, and you're done for. All right? This is the context of this little, this little skit. So here we go. He, that is the bridge keeper, asks the first knight, state your name, and he does. Then state your quest, and he does. Then the bridge keeper asks, what is your favorite color? The knight says red, and he's amazed that he's able to get across the bridge so easily. The second knight comes up, and he is quite confident. The bridge keeper asks him the first two questions, and he answers them correctly. Then he asks, who won the World Cup in 1948 or something like that? The knight says, I have no idea, and he is cast down into the abyss. So the third knight is terrified, but he also answers the first two questions correctly. Then he is asked, what is your favorite color? He is so nervous, he said, red, no blue. He is thrown into the abyss. Arthur is the last one, and the bridge keeper asks him to state his name. I am Arthur, king of the Britons. What is your quest? The Holy Grail. What is the airspeed velocity of, of an unladen swallow? Well, that depends. An African swallow or a European swallow? The bridge keeper says, I don't know, and he is cast into the abyss. <laughs> See, sometimes knowing all the right answers is not enough. It's not what it's about. You know, let me put it this way. Eternal life is not knowing about God. It just isn't. Eternal life, Jesus says in John 17, is knowing God. Knowing him. Living in relationship with him. Knowing him at a deep level, a personal level, a life-transforming level. Experiencing him every day of your life. That is eternal life, Jesus tells us. If we were to understand that teaching correctly. See, it's the difference between, let me, let me illustrate this, it's the difference between having information about somebody and knowing somebody, right? So, back in 1986, way back in the dark ages, I was working at a youth camp, 
And I did all the interviewing to hire staff for that youth camp. It was a big part of my job, particularly in the winter as, as camp was moving toward us. And I got this application for a young, uh, young woman named Heather Bromley. And uh, I've kept it, which only proves I'm a bit of a romantic at heart, right? And, and I, I really like this. Um, so I read through the, the application, and I said, you know, book, please book an appointment for Heather with me, and, and, and uh, that was all fine and good. But after reading the application, I had information about Heather. Heather, by the way, is my wife, if you don't know that. Um, with whom I've been married for 31 years, that's important. Um, I knew lots about Heather. I knew about her educational background. I knew about her work background. I knew about her faith because we asked people to share their experience of God and how they came to faith and so forth in order to work at a Christian camp, of course. Uh, I knew lots about Heather. I had information about Heather, but I'm going to tell you, I didn't know Heather. I didn't. But uh, apparently on February the 25th, uh, 1986 at 4.15, Heather walked into my office for an interview and I began to get to know her. I was impressed, I have to tell you. Um, but you know, after 31 years, uh, it's not just information anymore. I know her. I know what she likes and I, I know what she dislikes. I know what irritates her and what doesn't irritate her. <laughs> I know what she thinks about certain topics. I know what moves her heart and what, what she loves. I know sometimes when she doesn't quite finish her sentence, how she's going to finish her sentence. You know, I'm at that stage in life, believe it or not. I know her because of lived experience with her. I know her deeply and profoundly. It's not just knowledge about Heather. It's a deep knowledge about who she is as a person. I have embraced that. I have lived it, and I know it. And I want to tell you, my friends, knowing God, the way Jesus speaks of knowing God in John 17 and his son, Jesus Christ, that's the knowledge that we can have of God, and that is eternal life. And it doesn't come about by being taught in a profession of faith class or reading good books on theology or even reading the scripture and gaining knowledge about God, information about God. It comes from an experience of God. And my friends, knowing God experientially is eternal life, according to Jesus. One of the things I would like you to grapple with a little bit, one of the things I'd like you to think about as we go through this today, and even through the rest of this five-week series, is where are you at with this? Do you know about God or do you know God? Do you have good information about him? Or do you have lived experience with him so that you know he, who he is deeply and profoundly? Which is it? Well, I want to tell you, one is eternal life and the other is just good information. And we want you to move toward eternal life in the fullest of senses. Here's, here's another sort of um, caveat to this, another way of looking at this. John Orkberg challenges us in lots of ways, and he will. But, you know, one of the things that he says, and as you listen to the video, you'll hear some of these things. He said, you know what? Jesus never uh, teaches people or, or calls people to become Christians. What do you think about that? Jesus doesn't ever say to anybody to say the sinner's prayer. Like a sinner's prayer is not in Scripture. You, do you know that? It has value. I'm not diminishing it. But Jesus doesn't tell people to become a Christian by saying the sinner's prayer. What Jesus does, number one, is to call people to be his disciples. Again, think of the disciples, the 12 of them who followed Jesus, people who f were with him in order to learn from him, in order to become like him. We've defined that before, right? Understand how that fits into the idea of knowing Jesus versus just knowing about him. They lived with this man for the better part of three years. They lived with the Son of God 
And they got to know him experientially, how he thought, what he valued, what he liked, what he disliked, and so forth. And secondly, Jesus calls people to follow after him, to, to, to you know, to, to, to live with him and follow in the journey that he would go. So listen, Mark 8, chapter, uh, sorry, Mark 8, verse 34 says this. Then he, Jesus, called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my Christian, no, disciple, must deny themselves and take up their cross and believe the right things? No. Follow me. Engage life with me. Get to know me. Experience who I am. Do life with me. See, what we're defining here is what Jesus said was eternal life. And I'm here to ask you today, is this your experience of God? Is it just information about God, or do you know God because of your experience of him? Have you become a Christian because you believe the right things, have the right answers? Or indeed, are you a disciple of Jesus who is willing to live a self-sacrificial life, even to the point of death, and follow after him in every aspect of your life because you are his? That, my friends, is eternal life. Ortwerg is going to teach us about life uh, uh, in our life group experience. And, and this is sort of foundational to what he says also. This is, this is laying the foundation for what is to come. It is, about, it is not about achieving what he calls minimal entrance requirements. Oh, I'm in the kingdom, so I can live my life in any old way that I want. Oh, I'm in the kingdom, so it doesn't matter about a relationship with God. Why bother? Because I'm in. I'm going to heaven. It's not about minimal entrance requirements. It's about knowing God and knowing Jesus Christ. Experiencing him by faith. Allowing him and his truths to transform our lives. You know, one of the... Um, Really interesting things that, uh, that, that, that is written, and I'm going to read from the book itself, in terms of just minimal entrance requirements, is, is John Orgbury says, you know, you might think you just say a prayer and you're in and that's the end of it. Now, I'm not diminishing saying a prayer if it's a sincere expression of faith, which is the first step that you take into God's kingdom. I'm not. You know that. I encourage people to pray that prayer on occasion. But I, I, want, I want you to, to listen to what Orgbury writes. This, I don't believe, is in the video, so. Um, it says, can you imagine Jesus himself teaching this, that it's just minimal entrance requirements? Um, but but believing this statement, believing that all I teach is true, well, that's optional. You just have to say a prayer. But believing everything I teach, that's optional. Can you imagine Jesus saying that? Believing that I can run your life and allowing me to do so, well, that's optional too. You know, say a prayer, but th that's not something that is really all that important. Intending to actually obey me? That's optional. Imagine Jesus saying that. As long as you believe that my death paid for your sins, you don't need to worry about doing what I've said as far as heaven is concerned. Can, you, can we imagine Jesus saying that? Or imagine Jesus tacking a salvation caveat onto the Sermon on the Mount. Now, we studied this earlier in the summer, so I hope you're familiar and then this is the quote, at least the first part, which comes from Jesus. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Here comes the caveat. But just to be clear, 
You don't have to worry about actually doing anything I say as long as you believe my death paid for your sins. Can you imagine Jesus saying that? He's actually saying the opposite of that. That when we come into a relationship with God, when we come to that place where we believe with all of our hearts that Jesus paid our, our, our debt of sin on the cross, that's a big part of the, the faith that we hold, that we, we come to believe in him as our Savior, we come to believe in him as our Lord, and that knowledge transforms our lives. Because you know what? We come to believe that everything Jesus said is right. Do you believe that everything Jesus said is right? Or do you just believe that he died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins? You see, we believe who Jesus was, the Son of God. We believe in what Jesus did, the Savior of the world, dying on the cross, rising from the dead. And we believe in what he said. And we believe that what he said is right. And it is that knowledge, it's that truth that transforms our lives as we embrace it and as we live it every single day of our lives. So you see, my friends, we come to this place and, and we think about things like the Sermon on the Mount. Again, we focused a lot on that early in the summer. And we hear Jesus saying, don't love money, love God. Don't be greedy, embrace generosity. And we go, oh, that's, that's true, that's right, that's what I'm going to do. Our faith transforms our lives. This is eternal life. Or we hear Jesus teaching about, about lust and not looking at a woman uh, lustfully because if, if, if it is, if that happens, it's the same as committing adultery in the mind of God. It's the same deal. And we go, well, Jesus is right, so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to move toward a sexual purity even in my mind and in my heart. Or Jesus comes along as he says, you know, don't hate your enemies. As a matter of fact, love them. Don't seek revenge against your enemies. Love them. Be good to them. And we go, well, that, that's different, but I believe in Jesus, and I believe in what he said. I believe who he was, and I'm going to form my life around that truth, and I'm going to love my enemies. And as we do, we experience what? Eternal life. Where we come along, and, and Jesus says, live in a humility so that when you give and when you pray and when you fast, nobody knows, only your Father in heaven. When you do all those good, at good works, don't tell anybody about them. Just do them and know that your Father knows and he will reward you. And he smiles on you because of it. That's enough. And you see, we embrace that. You see, coming, coming into eternal life, taking that step into faith is a, is a step into a transformed life based on the reality of Jesus Christ. Dallas Willard, this mentor of John Ortberg, said this, eternal life is life with God and life for God and life under God's care and God, life lived by God's power. Oh, I love that. And I'm here today to ask you the question, are you living that life? As opposed to having just said a prayer? As opposed to knowing the right stuff about God? Are you living a life which is a life with God, a life for God, a life lived under God's care, and a life lived by God's power? You live that life, you will know God deeply, profoundly, personally. And that, Jesus says, is eternal life here and now. Some of you might be thinking, and I need to, I need to make this absolutely clear, might be thinking, Chris, are you, are you describing salvation by works? It's not about having faith, it's about what you do. And I want to say unequivocally no. Salvation clearly comes by faith. But it's a faith which transforms a life as we enter into a relationship with God and we come to know him. It's not about saying, I believe, because I, I believe in the information, and I'm going to say a prayer because I want, I want to escape hell and get into heaven. 
It's a faith that leads us into this relationship with the living God so that we know him. We know his love and we know his grace and we know his power and we know his gentleness and we know his kindness and we know his grace. Why do we know it? Because we experience it every single day. <laughs> and what Jesus is saying to us this morning, my friends, through this text is that is eternal life. I'm going to read to you Matthew 7, 13 to 14. Another, another text from that uh, passage in the Sermon on the Mount that, that we've already qu quoted and, and um, we looked at some months ago. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Mm, that's not it. Oh, it really bothers me when I do this. I'm going to find this. Just Oh, there it is. There it is. It is it. I'm looking at the wrong text. So Jesus said this, enter through the narrow gate. Those of you who want eternal life, those of you who want to be my disciples, those of you who want to follow me, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Serious comment. Serious reality. And many enter through it. So there's a narrow gate we have to go through. But small is the gate... And narrow the road that leads to life, eternal life. And only if you find it. You see what Jesus is saying? We do have to enter into this thing called eternal life. This dynamic, this experience of God. We do have to enter in through the gate by faith in Jesus. It's often a, a point we come to. We make a decision. Sometimes it's more by osmosis. But we come to that place and we choose this. We believe this with all of our heart. But after we're in the gate, what are we supposed to do? We walk on the narrow road that not many people walk on. That's why we need the church, by the way. That's why we need fellowship. That's why we need Sunday mornings to the extent that we can have them and life groups online or not. We need it. But we are to walk on that road, that narrow road that leads to eternal life. That's what he's referencing there. And I want to tell you, my friends, one of the, one of the remarkable things <clears throat> about this in my mind is that, that we can know eternal life. <laughs> I don't know whether you're sitting thinking, maybe, maybe the challenges have come and you're being challenged to think a little bit differently about this topic, but it is an absolutely remarkable thing that we can enter through the gate and walk on the narrow road. We can, we can become disciples of Jesus who want to be with him so that <clears throat> and live with him so that we can learn from him, so that we can become like him, so that we can follow after him, we can do life with him for the rest of our days, so that we come to that place where we absolutely and profoundly and deeply have a knowledge of God because we've experienced him in such profound ways. That is amazing that you and I can live our lives that way. But you know what? We can. I'm just standing here thinking how many people listening to me here or <laughs> through that camera are sitting thinking, you know, I'd love that, but I don't experience it. Well, we're going to learn how. The, the next four weeks, we're going to look at four various stages, if you would, of eternal life. Not that we just experience them once, but that we can experience each of those stages repeatedly. And through those experiences, through those dynamics, we can unpackage this life with God that takes us to that place of knowing the presence and the power and the love and the grace and the goodness of God. My friends, I, I'm here to tell you today, by way of introduction, eternity is now in session. Isn't that good? 
You don't have to wait till you die to experience eternal life. You can know it here, and you can know it now. Because Jesus has come, because Jesus has died, because Jesus has been raised to new life, because Jesus is our Lord, and by his Spirit, he, he calls us into this experience where we are transformed, not only in our knowledge of God, but in our life. Over these next five weeks, IPC, I'm calling you to it. Step in. If you haven't signed up for a life group, go on the app. Call the office. Call Phil Sheldon. We will form groups as need be. Let's chase this one down. Let's figure out really the life that the Lord calls us to. And in the end, be people. Be people who know God. Know him. Experience him. Live with him as disciples and as followers. Um, and love him all the more. There's the challenge. The next four weeks are coming. Will you jump on board? Will you give yourself to think more profoundly and more deeply about Jesus' teaching so that you can experience more of it? Let's pray together. Lord God, we, um, we thank you that you've done everything that is required for us to experience eternal life now. It's almost like as the song says, Lord, heaven has come down to us. Heaven is here because of Jesus. And by our faith in him, we step through the gate and we then walk on the road. And our experiences of you just grow deeper and more profound and more amazing as we live life with you. God, I pray for our congregation, every single person in it, every person who's here this morning, every person who is listening at home. I pray that they will choose to pursue an understanding more fully of eternal life. And I pray, Lord, that you will lead them into being disciples who follow after you, who experience you, and who find themselves surrounded in the reality of life eternal. So, Lord, take us deeper than we've gone before. Help us to understand things that we haven't understood before. But most of all, Lord... Help us to know you through our life experience with you. Lord, we want more of you. We want, we want, as I have prayed all this year and as I've shared with this congregation, that heaven would open, Lord, and that you would come down. And I pray, Lord, that that would happen in our church, and I pray it would happen in the so many lives of the people of this congregation.